Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we're glad you are. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander. We're broadcasting from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg today. And we're glad you're with us. Uh, we've got a great show today. Our buddy Patrick McGee will be joining us from uh, New Orleans a little later to talk about the fire uh, at the Superdome and some other stuff that we think you'll enjoy. Jack Duggan about to join us here in just a moment. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Great guys at Dickie's. Great food. You can enjoy it seven days a week. Next time you're going to plan a, a catering event, uh, make sure Dickie's is part of that. They can cater any event for you, large or small, for your home, for your church, or whatever. Just make sure you choose Dickie's. And, Bob, did you did you realize that if you get any of your catered food from Dickie's for your tailgate party, they have a no-rain guarantee? What's that? That means it'll be... It won't rain. It'll oh, be okay. weather just well, like this. Go. Well, there you go. So we want everybody uh, to make sure that you keep Dickies in your plans. All right, Jack Duggan, Sports Information Director at Southern Miss. Always glad to have Jack part of the Eagle Hour. Jack, uh, we've talked a lot this week about the football team and about the struggles offensively, but we really haven't talked to a, a large degree. It's easy to overlook positives when you're not winning, but, boy, this defensive team has played pretty well, and you were telling me that statistically... Uh, they're among the nation's leaders going into this game this weekend. Well, well, they are, Bob. And again, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, if you if you look um, you look defensively, Gold Eagles are twelfth nationally in total defense. We've only allowed uh, two hundred forty eight point three yards a game. And you know, if you look at, it, we gave up I think three hundred against South Alabama, one hundred sixty six against Scrambling, and then just three hundred and four last week. So. You know, when you, in the scheme of things, and, and the way that college football is played now, that's that's pretty salty. So, so a number twelve ranking is pretty good. You know, especially we've done well um, in rushing defense, where we've only given up forty three point seven yards a game, uh, and that's again that's number two in the country. Uh, passing, we've allowed two hundred four point seven yards a game, and, and we're sixtieth in that category. So, I tell you, it's it's pretty it's 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 pretty good defense has played. You know very well. You know through the first three games of the season, and Nick Saban's taking notice of that. He did talk about the defensive uh, effort of the Golden Eagles and and their ability to stop the run. You're right that that has been uh, the best thing to see. And you know, Jack, uh, I, I thought Saturday night you go into halftime and and you're shutting out a pretty solid Troy football team. Uh, I, I don't think the score was indicative of how well the defense played throughout the night Saturday. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think so either. Maybe a player or two on that first drive, where 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 you know they struggled a little bit. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I thought I thought defensively, uh, you know, in, in all three in all three games has been you know phenomenal for us. And that's that's everywhere. That's up front. Uh, that's you know linebacker, and that's on the back end. I mean, I think uh, I think it's showing, and and you know we're starting to turn. Turn people over too, and forcing some turnovers. So, uh, you know, I think I think it's just 
Yeah, I think I think they're going to be a fun unit to watch. I think, you know, look at the kicking game too. The kicking game has been really good. Briggs Bourgeois has been fantastic, uh, kicking it kicking it off. He's 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 done really well. I think, um, you know, in the field goal, I know he's I know he had one missed off the upright um, from forty one uh, on Saturday, but you know he also missed a career long fifty. So everything else he's hit. You know, he missed his first uh, extra point of his career. Unfortunately, got blocked uh, in that ball game. But but he's played well. Mason Hunt, uh, our punter, has played phenomenal. You know, the guy who really you know he he started the season last year. You know, punted in that first game, and then and then Griffin Fleming came in and, and took the job the rest of the way. But uh, you know, he came back this year, won that job, and uh, over the first three games has has really booted the ball very well. Um, for the Golden Eagles. One of the things you have to keep in perspective when Jack gives you those numbers of second in this particular defense, sixth in the other, there's 130 Division yeah. I teams. 130. And the Eagles are up there in the top ten in a couple of those a couple of those categories. What I get kind of just worried from Jack as a, as a casual fan is because the, the offense has sputtered so, the defense has been on the field a lot. And I'm just hoping... And against this game this weekend is going to be an asterisk. Anybody that plays that team, uh, you know, for the rest of the season can make it an asterisk. But you just hope that the defense doesn't tire or because as a unit they're on the field a lot that they're not subject to to more than the usual share of injuries. No, sure. And that's I mean, that's any that's any game. I mean, you you know, you, you try to you try to get out of a game with as as healthy as you possibly can and certainly. You know, when you play uh, a number one team in the country, uh, like like Alabama, who is who is, I mean, arguably, <laughs> you know, right. the talent, most talented team in the country. I mean, you know, uh, five star guys up and down there, they're 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 too deep. Um, you know, this is the first first uh, number one team we've played um, since we played the Crimson Tide back in 1980. Uh, we lost that game forty-two to seven. In fact, we were ranked in that in that game as well. We were twentieth in the country, and uh, of the of the nine nine games where where uh, Southern Miss and its opponent have been ranked, uh, three of those have come against Alabama. One of them was that game. Um, there was the nineteen ninety nine game where we lost thirty-five uh, fourteen. Alabama was fourteen. We were twenty, and then of course back in. Uh, 2000, where we shut out the Crimson Tide 21 nothing. Uh, we were the 25th ranked team in the country, and they were ranked 13th. So, so it's it's a it's a series with a lot of history, and um, you know certainly, you know it's one that's never been played outside the state of Alabama. So that's kind of interesting as well, and never will be. <laughs> no, probably not. No, but. Uh, <laughs> Never will be. Luke, get in here. One thing will never happen also is uh, they'll never have officials outside the Southeastern Conference also. I could be wrong on that, Jack, but it always happens. You know, in, in the, the, the pro throw game, which was my senior year, we were driving pretty late uh, and or late in the third quarter, and we were going in to tie it. And just magically the sprinklers come on. I mean, just come on, stay on the field for five minutes, kill the momentum. We stall for a field goal. I'm holding from a Caleb, and I'm like kneeling in water. I mean, it, it, it is bound to happen. But 
I mean, to talk about Jack too. I mean, it, it, we. It's going to be a, a very hard weekend for the Golden Eagles. But, man, what a historic place to play. And, and one of the things that I'm excited about is you get a guy like Ty Keys, you get some of these young guys, and they get to play in one of the best uh, you know, environments, most historic places in college football. I think that's probably the, the biggest benefit this weekend is is to put you know our guys in a big-time atmosphere to get them ready for conference play. No, I agree. And, and you know, you just – you go over there. You you, you 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 play your tails off. You you play as 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 good as you can. You play for as hard as you can for sixty minutes, and then you know what? You get ready for Rice because you know win or lose on Saturday. I mean, it 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 doesn't it doesn't have any effect into what you know we need to do, and that's you know to to to, to try to win a conference USA championship, and so. I, I, you, you know, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but but you know that's you know Rice is, you know Rice is a game that that you know is going to be a big one for far us. Far more importance. Yeah, absolutely. Far far more importance. Hey, I want to take your. I want to go back just for a week. Uh, we mentioned this, but but you were there when it happened. Supposedly, like you know, you're in charge of the press box and you're in charge in those press conferences after the game. But apparently, Frank Gore Senior just kind of took over that press conference after the Grambling game. Is that right? Interjected no, he was, he, and, and didn't take, he didn't take it over. He was I meant in that there. in a joking way. Yeah, no, I meant no, that he in was a jesting way. He was there. He was there. I, I honestly, I didn't know who he was at first, and then and then it, 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 it took me a minute because you know you're so focused on trying to make sure everybody has stats after each game. You're trying to make sure that 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 everybody's ready to go. You're trying to make sure your coach is there. You're trying to make sure that your that your your players are going to get there. So so your so your mind is kind of going back for make sure somebody's taping the taping the interview. So you're not really you're not really uh cognizant of who is is in there around on the fringe. You just you just care about that little media conference area. And uh, so I looked, and I saw him. I said, hmm, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> and then I realized that's who that was. So, Hey, Jack, so. Jack, you were at practice uh, today. How would you describe the morale of the team? Oh, I think fantastic. I mean, you know, you know Coach, Coach Hall said it was, you know, one of the best offensive practices we've had all year. And, and uh, you know, they got I mean, they got after it. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch them practice because – you know, they go out there. They don't practice. You know, they don't go three, three and a half hours. They go out there. They get their work done, and then and then and then they leave. And 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 that's just kind of the you know it's the way they do it. They get a lot of things done in a short amount of time. You know, I know I know a lot of people think you know an offense that hasn't shown up yet, but but they're getting they're getting better each and each and every week. And and uh, so so you know just got to trust the process and keep you know. You know, I know it's tough. You only get 12 chances to do it, but you know, I think I think after this week, I think you know, our goal is to is to is to to play as well as we can in conference, and, and you know, go after another conference championship. All right, Jack. Always a pleasure having you on the show, my friend, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour real soon. All right, guys, y'all be good. All right, Jack Duggan, everybody, Sports Information Director, Southern Miss. We'll go to the Big Easy next. Stay with us.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. That's where you go to get your Southern Miss apparel. At least you should be going there. They're on Hardy Street right across from the campus. You can shop them online seven days a week at campusbookmark.net. And we hope that you do. want to thank uh, Jack Duggan for joining us in the first segment. And now we're going to go down to the corner of Adeline and Magazine Streets and uh, the beautiful city of New Orleans. And that's where we find Patrick McGee this afternoon. Did I get that right, Patrick? Adeline and Magazine? It's uh, Aileen. Aileen. Magazine. Uh, well, A L I N E. I just hope you're not down there, Patrick, with holding up a sign that says "We'll write articles for food." You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's that would be pretty. That would that would be a first, though. Yeah, yeah. there we go. All right, Patrick. Of course, now with uh, NOLA.com and uh, uh, keeping a close eye on the New Orleans Saints for us. But first, before we get to the Saints, Patrick, what about the uh, what about the fire at the Superdome yesterday? What can you share with us about that? Well, I was off. Yeah, I'm off. I was off yesterday, and I'm off today. And I was just sitting here looking at my Twitter feed, and then somebody. Oh, it looks like Superdome's on fire, and it was a you know it was a fairly legitimate fire. Apparently, something went wrong. Wherever they're using a pressure washer, a pressure washer up there trying to clean the roof, uh, something caught fire. There was one person that was injured, taken to the hospital. But he, he seems to be fine. But and I went to the Home Depot. Uh, in the afternoon yesterday, I looked up and there was kind of a nice, healthy black marker on the side on the roof of the Superdome. Cause they were kind of on the side, uh, but it's you know it's weird. It's been a weird season. I I, I don't even <laughs> I don't think I even know what could happen next. Uh, the Saints are supposed to be coming back to town uh, next week, and uh, it's just yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of the many weird things that's kind of happened to the Saints here through the early stages of the season. I guess they're working out at their facility there in the New Orleans area, though, right? Is that where they're practicing? No, they're they're they've been they they're still in Fort Worth. Really? Uh, that's where they've been practicing. They're supposed to return uh, next week yeah. uh, ahead of the the uh, Giants game. But but now here uh, now here's a situation where it's difficult to get people to work at all because the government is essentially paying people to stay home, and you got this one poor guy. Who goes on top of the Superdome? Yeah, the pressure wash the top of the Superdome. Yeah, so yeah, what, yeah, you're right. Whatever yeah. he's getting paid, they he, need. Should, he should get doubled. Yeah, I agree. All right, Patrick. I know that you and Luke are, are hoping for some home cooking. I'll, I'll let Luke get in here and bemoan what happened to the team and get your explanation about what happened Sunday. Go ahead, Luke. Patrick, um, the uh, Saints' rushing attack was just slightly better than Southern Misses, but you know when uh, oh, when Camara oh, goes eight rushes hard. for five yards, we got problems. And you can talk more about this, but I mean, a lot of people didn't realize Saturday it came out Saints were going to be missing you know several coaches. I don't know how if that figured in, but just looked like Matt Rule and, and Brady were uh, you know were, were steps ahead of Sean Payton in this one. Yeah, it was it was one of those games. Uh, there were a lot of things kind of going against the Saints. Had uh, multiple players out on defense. And I think that kind of hurt them early, especially on defense. They kind of got uh, got on their feet there in the second half. Uh, but yeah, the the yeah, seven coaches out. Uh, that's going to make things a little different. So preparations were just weren't probably weren't the greatest or up to par what they're used to and and I think that just kind of played out but there really wasn't any excuse for how badly the offensive line or or Jameis Winston really played I thought you know Camara was just kind of a victim of the circumstances more than anything uh it just uh it was it was a really poor performance really in a lot of different ways for that offense and it was surprising to see them really kind of 
take a step back. But again, you know, uh, no side of the ball. You know, on offense, you really have to be on top of your game every week to go in and be prepared to face these defenses. And uh, Carolina obviously is pretty good defensively this year, and they just got kind of overwhelmed. And and Winston just kind of, you know, he, he looked like himself, he looked like the the Tampa version of, of Winston there at times during the game. Hmm. Does that worry you guys uh, from a Saints fan perspective? Is this is this the fear that maybe was in the back of everybody's mind about Jamison Winston? Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, is he going to be good consistent consistently, or is he just going to you know, you know, you, you just don't know which guy you're going to get from week to week, and that's you know, Sean Payton's yeah. not going to accept that over time. Uh, you know, it, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of uh, Taysom Hill every week. You know, he's not going to be perfect, but you know you're going to be able to – you know what you're getting. And with Winston, it's it's if he proves to be unpredictable over these next few weeks, I mean, there's a chance that – you know, if we see more of what we saw this past Sunday, he may not be the starting quarterback in the second half. It was it was the, the first interception, Patrick, that I was just like, okay, there's Jameis. We have found the real Jameis. He's getting pulled down, you know, he's, he's in the left side of the line, and he just literally throws up like a, a shallow fly to center field. And, like, literally the Panther safety just sat there under it and caught it. And I was like, okay, that there he is. I've been waiting on him. And, and that's the, the type of, to your point, that's the type of stuff that Sean Payton will not allow. No, he's, you know, they kind of let, you know, Jameis run with it in Tampa. Uh, eventually things kind of changed there in the, at the end of his tenure there. But uh, Sean Payton has a lot of trust in the Taysom Hill, likes Taysom Hill. He, he won't He won't be – he's not afraid to go to him if this trend continues. Hmm. Who do the Saints play this week, guys? Uh, they're playing at New England. Uh, so oh, that's, well, uh, that's that'll unpredictable. Be yeah. That'll be – yeah, that's one of those games you really don't know right. what's going to happen. There's a bunch of kind of – uh, you know, uh, new faces on both sides for the team. So it's kind of one of those games where you go in and, you know, it, it, anything can happen on Sunday. All right, uh, Patrick, your your thoughts about the Golden Eagles. Uh, you know, we were talking to Jack Duggan earlier in the show. They're playing really well defensively. Played, I thought, mm-hmm. an outstanding game Saturday night defensively. But talk about offensive woes. that They start with the offensive line. Uh, you got this, uh, you know, this basically a baby playing quarterback that nobody really expected to see this year. So you can't really blame everything on him. I, th- I think that would be terribly unfair. Uh, but you know, you you and I and and Luke talked earlier before the season started about the effort that went in into recruiting offensive linemen, how big they were, how mm-hmm. how enthusiastic they were. But th- this is a, a really poor start off. From an offensive perspective, from the the perspective of line play, Patrick. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I did expect more out of this line. Uh, that's a group they really bolstered through transfers and stuff. Um, you know, the, their starting five is a good, solid. I thought coming in was a solid starting five. I, you know, I didn't see them kind of really kind of you know dominating a lot of scrimmage or anything like that. But overall, they had the numbers to work with when it was kind of a concern maybe coming out last season. It is. Kind of surprising to see them go like this, but you know, uh, you, you just don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they can't really run the ball. I mean, that's, or at least they didn't this past week. I mean, that's something that's really got to be a centerpiece of this offense. But uh, it's one of those things to, uh, where teams are going to know if they stop Southern Miss from running the ball, they're going to beat them because you know the passing game just isn't going to be great uh, until you know just something clicks. 
there. It's it's going to be a struggle in the passing game having Tykes out there at such a young uh, stage in his career. He just wasn't meant to be out there. So, uh, you know, defenses know that if if they really kind of uh, 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 get in the box and put a bunch of guys in there. They're going to be able to probably slow them down running the ball, and that's really going to limit the offense as a whole. Back on the NFL front, Patrick, one of the one of the things that people don't like about these rule changes, and it seems to be universal, uh, the taunting rule. Now that every player seems to be getting flagged for taunting and the increased incidences of targeting that we happen to be seeing. And a lot of people... Saying you know it slows down the game. It's just it's just not the game of football in general. Uh, what what sort of things are you hearing about the about the new taunting rule and how often it's being called and the targeting rule targeting rule and how it has also increased? Uh, well, I've, you know, just for, you know, all I can really speak to what I've seen this season, and I've seen the the taunting calls really both more on college in college and then in the NFL. And some of them were justified, some of them were overblown. Uh, but the targeting, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the, the targeting. Not, it's not always applied, you know, in a great way or whatever, but these guys have got to learn how to tackle the right way. Uh, or they're going to, you know, they're just going to shorten their careers or they're going to shorten somebody else's career. Uh, you know, launching yourself headfirst into another guy's helmet is worthy of a penalty. I'm not saying it's perfect every time, but I think the targeting uh, uh, rules need to stay. And uh, I haven't really seen that misused this season in terms of targeting. Maybe some of the calls. Uh, I thought some of the roughing calls there uh, with the Saints and Panthers were kind of quick trigger just from what I saw in that game. But, you know, the taunting, they could probably dial it back a little bit. Uh, but just just from the examples I've seen, they were probably most of them were probably deserved. There was, there was one Monday night game or early in the college football season, I think, or where there was three targeting calls. Uh, Old Miss and Louisville. Yeah, in the, in the yeah. first half. Four. Right. Four yeah. In, yeah. in the first half. Old Miss and Louisville, yeah. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was one play where they could have called two guys for targeting. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was a game where just, it's the first game of the season, guys are just being sloppy with the mechanics on tackling. And it's just watching them like, when are you going to realize that you can't, that's not how you're supposed to tackle in the first place. And it's just not, it, for the long run, it's just not good for the game to have that as part of it. All right, Patrick. Well, thanks for joining us uh, as you do every week. Uh, enjoy that good New Orleans food. Real quick, uh, wh- where have you eaten so far? Because that's the eating paradise of the world. Well, uh, Luke pointed me to Mahoney's, which is basically right across the street from me, and that was a, a fine, fine po' boy. And I've, the best chicken sandwich I've ever had is from Shia, and I've already ordered it twice in two weeks. It's the chicken, the chicken schnitzel sandwich, and it's it's amazing. It is amazing. Well, you enjoy yourself, Patrick, and think about us, okay? When you're uh, when you're dining on that New Orleans cuisine, uh, we'll okay. look forward to talk okay. to you again next week, buddy. All right, thanks, guys. All right, Patrick McGee, everybody. Now with Nola.com. The chicken schnitzel? Is that chicken it? schnitzel, can, I believe. Can we say that there. on the air? Yeah, I think we can. Kelly, uh, he's Kelly had a chihuahua named Schnitzel one <laughs> yeah, time. Right. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour continues in the middle of the week. Appreciate you tagging along with us. You can always listen to the Eagle Hour live one to two, but if you miss it, you can listen on demand at supertalk.fm or Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're out there in the stratosphere, in the ether. 
in the land of audio archival digital files. All you got to do is uh, just find us. I mean, just just punch it into, this is for Bob and Kelly, just punch it there into the Googles and you shall find us. And if you've got an Alexa device, you can actually ask Alexa to listen to the Eagle Hour and it'll happen. Anyway, we're out there in podcast form. If you don't catch us live on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, Super Talk Southwest, Mississippi, and uh, we appreciate everybody joining us every day from 1 to 2 or at your time on demand for the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to you by 4th Street Trivia tonight at 8 o'clock. 8.95 lunch every single day. 4th Street, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. It is Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, and Kelly Sander. That's us from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel Southern Miss taking on Alabama. If you didn't know that, you've been living under a rock. 6.30 on Saturday in Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And as, as we think about this, the, I, um, I was on the football team for five years. I dressed for four of these games. I played in Legion, but I never played Bama in, in Legion. The last time the Golden Eagles beat Alabama, it was in 2000 uh, when, they, when they shut them out 21 nothing. That was in Legion Stadium in, or Legion Field in Birmingham. Every game that I dressed out for was in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And uh, I'm sure both of you guys have been to Southern Miss games. But, the, man, so many memories. And, and, and it was like what I said to, to Jack earlier, Bob. I mean, this is one of those weeks you get to play the number one team in the country. And you get to play them at their place. And it, it, I always remember Bama wasn't ranked that high. We played some ranked Bama teams. But, man, it was extraordinary to go into a historic place and play college football. And, and that's, like I told Jack, Bob, that that's what I think is the best thing the best approach, the best mindset for this week for Southern Miss? Well, there's no question. I've been to a lot of Southern Miss-Alabama games, really never missed one, uh, many, during the Bauer era and even before when Jim Carmody was there. I was there when uh, Jim Carmody beat Bear Bryant's Alabama team 38-29. That was an incredible day. Uh, I remember two things about that. I remember that uh, after the game was over, uh, we wandered into a hotel there in, in that area. We got a little mixed up as to where our car was, and uh, they were having a big Alabama Alumni Association uh, dinner in there, a big buffet. And, heck, they invited us into the buffet, and, and we ate with the Alabama folks because they, they were just, you know, they were first, just really first-class people. And 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 I didn't know it then, but uh, I asked Jim Carmody about that. Actually, on this show, there's a famous picture, Kelly, you've seen it in my office, where he's shaking hands with Bear Bryant. And I asked Coach Carmody, do you remember what was said that moment? And he goes, I absolutely do. Coach Bryant said, great game, Coach. If you played us again next Saturday, you'd beat us again. Coach Carmody <laughs> replied, Coach, we don't want to play you again next Saturday. So that was uh, that was the great day. I was there the year that the Bobby Collins team kicked the field goal to tie Alabama. Uh, that was a big that may not sound like a lot, a tie, but tie in Alabama back then was a really big day, and uh, you know, so there've been a lot of great, there've been a lot of great. I saw a lot of close games that Southern Miss lost, but uh, were very, very competitive with Alabama into the fourth quarter, well into the fourth quarter. So yeah, Luke, there's a good history there. Now, it's yeah. not that way now, of course, but but really, in, in all honesty, name me a college football team that goes to Tuscaloosa and doesn't come out with their you know, butt whipped. Who, who is that? Well, you're you're competing against several things when you go to Tuscaloosa, and uh, we won't mention the others. But, but Kelly, another one of those close games, I didn't play in it. I was still a kid. But 
what was it 94 when we were winning or 95 and Brian Bergdorf throws a pass literally at the end of the game and actually beat Patrick Sertan. Last and play I, of the game. I think it was right. – was that – Kelly, was that 95, Bob? Was that 95? Is that when that was? I don't remember the year, but I was there for that. Last play of the game, Patrick Sertain shoved to the ground by the receiver, as I yeah. recall. Shoved literally to the ground, catches the ball, touchdown, Alabama wins the game. No flag. No flag. So I had about that much sympathy for Mississippi State last week because I, I've been to many of those games. <laughs> many of those games. We, How about it, Luke? Yeah, in, in 2003, so we go over there, and uh, Dustin had had a, a difficult game a few before. Damian Carter was still starting. So we go to Bryant-Denny, and I punted like eight or nine times. Mid-third quarter, I drop a snap. I get hit. Ball comes out. They recover. Nasty bunch holds. Next snap, uh, or next punt, it's a high snap, and uh, it drew me to the right. I just tried to get it out. It got blocked, and really nothing I could do about that. Next snap. Next punt, we're at the hash. And Coach Bauer, when he would call these, he would do it at the last second. I'm thankful I didn't have time to think about it. I'm out on the field at the hash, and he starts yelling, green, green, green. And that was a fake punt call. So it was like a a 17- to to 19-yard kind of back shoulder fade. If we don't get the catch, they'll P.I. us. The defense will. So Etrick Pruitt's out there. And I am about to throw a pass in Bryant-Denny Stadium. We completed it. Uh, it was like a blur at the time. The next year, or let, let me go back to that, to, to, to what I was saying that for. So Eagles are down 17-3. Um, to three. And the next ensuing kickoff, Johnny Eubanks house this one for 93. I mean, hit the sideline, nobody's around, house it. Dylan Kleckler is like 20 yards behind John Eubanks. Eubanks is probably on the 30 or the 40 on the right side going to the house. Dylan engages an Alabama player on the entire other side of the field, 20 yards behind at the numbers, and gets a holding call. There you go, Bob. That's all you need to know. You play more than Alabama when you go to Tuscaloosa. Well, I, and I think you were you know, you're alluding to some other things. Like, said, we don't want to sound like uh, like crybabies, but you know. And of course, we we, jo- we we joke about the check. You know, is the check signed? Has has the check cleared? Is the che- is the ink on the check dry? And several people, you know, have asked over the years. You know, if if there are such thing as money games, why not play three or four? money games and here's the answer to that i mean on the surface it seems reasonable all right if you're making a million bucks to go to alabama why not play auburn and get a million from them you know go somewhere else and get a million from you know wherever and the reason that you don't play three or four money games in a year is because you owe it to your athletes to put them in a situation where they can most of the time compete you know and and have a chance to win so you don't want to you don't want to ever totally put money ahead of uh you know ahead of giving your athletes a chance to win. So that's why, you know, there are such things as money games, but, you know, maybe one or two at the most per year, particularly in football. Except in the late 90s and early 2000s when our non-conference slate was like Bama, Nebraska, A&M, and then we would play like a top, you know, 20 or top 10 TCU team. I mean, that, that, that's what would happen. But Yeah, but, the, remember, um, but remember, though, Luke, that, that, uh, that TCU came here all right, Texas A&M would play in Jackson. It was a conference game. I'm yeah. not saying it was a money game. I'm no, talking no. about from a ranked. Oh, I, I got you. Because I was going to say Nebraska came to Hattiesburg as well. I was there yeah, that Yeah, they night. came. Yeah. 
They yeah. came in uh, in '03, played in that one. But you know, when we would play at Bama, I mean, it, it was it was really cool because we would most of the time we would stay at the Galleria in Birmingham. So we would drive through Tuscaloosa on Saturday, I mean on Friday. We would go to Bryant-Denny, and Fridays were always fun when we just kind of did a little workout in the stadium. We'd kick a little bit. Offensive linemen would like just be throwing the football and running route. It was real laid back. We'd run through a few things. So then we would we get in the buses, and we'd go to Birmingham on 459, stay at the Galleria, wake up early. Kickers, we would walk around the mall like before it opened. That was our position meeting because we're kickers. We'd get back in the bus after we ate pre pregame, and then we would get on 459, and you guys know right there at McCullough where 459 merges back into 59. The Alabama Highway Patrol would shut down 459. They would back 59 up for about a mile. Our buses would go around everybody. We had the entire Interstate 59 from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa by ourselves, and they would bring us in. Now, here's the thing. When you got to Tuscaloosa, they could have been 99 years old. They could have been 19 years old. When you come in on McFarland and hit Bear, uh, Bear Bryant Drive and get off at Bryant Denny, everybody was telling you that you were number one. It didn't matter who they were. Oh, yeah, the Italian number one. That's what you're referring to. Am I right about that? <laughs> there you go. We knew it. They knew it, too. All right. When we come back, I got a surprise for both of the boys on the show. Now, we can all talk about our memories of seeing Alabama. We can talk. Luke can talk about his memories of playing against Alabama. But you guys, we're going to bring a guy on the show here in the last segment that beat Alabama, that brought the Crimson Tide Nation to its knees. You got Jesus on the phone, and he knows he knows what it feels like to watch the Empire fall at his feet. And uh, that, that'll be next on the Eagle Hour, Kelly. You just sit there and think about who mm. this might be. Luke, you do the same thing. Think about who this might be. A man on the Eagle I think Hour I know. that knows what it's like I I to bring the Crimson Tide to its knees. That's next on the Eagle Hour. <laughs> To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth segment on this Wednesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. On Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, dbathattiesburg.com. Always check the website. Upcoming camps available for instruction. And, of course, at D1 Training, you can get in great shape. DBAT D1, home of the Luke Johnson 5240. They did that for me. They can do that for you. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. All right, Bob, you kept us in suspense. You went out right. there and, and into uh, the, the guest I list and, and brought in a superstar. You know, we've all talked about our Alabama experiences and how we've witnessed them, and Luke, uh, obviously, the guy that can talk about playing against them. But ladies and gentlemen, I brought on the show the man who slayed the dragon. 
the man who brought the mighty Crimson Tide to his knees with a 52-yard field goal, the one and only Jim Stump Taylor. Stump, how did it feel to bring the Crimson Tide to its knees? You know, with my Alzheimer's today, it's been so long, Bob, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I tell you, no, it, it was a great, it was a great feeling. It was a great win. You know, we were celebrating because our our captain, our quarterback, uh, was back. Uh, Favre was back for uh, his senior campaign, and you know. To, to win games like that, you've got to play well, and things have to go your way. And, you know, we had a couple of interceptions and this kind of thing. I know one for a touchdown. and uh, it, it was, But, you know, it was, a, it was a great feeling. There was probably a minute or two left on the clock when I kicked the field goal. And, and uh, you know, it, it was just the jubilation. The only thing I, re- I remember more than anything, the first guy that met me on the sidelines was our illustrious college president. Yeah. Aubrey K. Lucas yeah, was Dr. the first Lucas. one. He was the first great, one in great my arms guy, when great I came guy. through. So, so Dr. Lucas. Take us back. When you go on the field, the team's getting ready, everybody's getting ready to get in their stance. What's going on through your mind with the opportunity to beat Alabama or be the guy that misses the field goal at the end of the game? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I missed enough of those. So, you know – Luke will tell you the same thing I'm going to tell you. You don't think really about that. I mean, you know the gravity of the situation. Uh, I think today, reflecting back on it, it was it's a bigger moment now than it was then. You know, and it's just like our guys going to play this weekend. You know, they they know Alabama. They know all of that. They know the guy. A lot of guys that play there, but they're all the same age. They're in the same business. They're thinking they're going to go win. You know, and and so you go out there and do what you've practiced all your life to do. You know, you put yourself in that scenario in your head, whether it was in my grandmother's backyard kicking over her clothesline, you know, this to beat Alabama or whatever. And I don't remember a lot. I remember there was a timeout called, and uh, which I didn't pay much attention to timeouts. I mean, I, I just stayed away from everybody and got ready to kick. No, and I know what the coaches were saying, Stump, in that on that sideline. They're going, all right, coach, you you're putting our success on the shoulders of Stump Taylor? Is that what I'm hearing here? <laughs> That's what you're hearing. You know, we, we, were, we were on the 35-yard line for three plays in a row before we didn't get a single uh, yard, you know. In three plays, we don't get a stinking yard, and we're, I'm going out there to kick a 52-yard field goal, you know. And in fairness, it was into the wind. Right. It was there was that's what I'd say you know I, the wind had been in my back I'd kick one or two through the uprights on the kickoff uh, but the wind had been really howling huh. and we had kicked a fifty yarder in the first or second quarter going this direction and uh, and it changed now, it wasn't a powerhouse wind but it was a wind you know yeah. and, and stop people young people don't realize that you were like the Mark Mosley of Southern Miss football you were a straight on kicker. And uh, that's a different art form than what they even know about now. Man, probably probably one of the one of the last mm-hmm. uh, in college football. That would have been 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I remember maybe Florida had a kid. Luke, you may remember Florida may have had a kid that kicked off that was straight on in that time period. And Virginia Tech was the last school I knew that had a couple of straight on kickers. But I was about to, I was the dinosaur. Jim, uh, there's no doubt. 
Jim went to kicking camps in junior high with Tom Dempsey. I mean, that's how far back it was. <laughs> Tom was actually the instructor. What are you talking about? Now, Stump, if, if I were you, I'd have that shoe in a glass box, and I'd, I don't I'd even show know it to everybody that ever came near me. You don't do that kind of thing? I don't even know where it's at. Really? No, I guess I left it. I don't know. Man, when I, when I got through, I was done. I didn't want to think about football. I was I, I had all I wanted. Did it have the square toe stump? It did. Did it? Uh-huh. Gosh, man, we got to try. We'll try to locate that shoe. It's got to be somewhere. Did it have the? Did it have the Velcro strap that pulled up the end? I didn't use a Velcro. I used a Velcro strap in high school, but I didn't. I used just a regular string in college. Well, Stump, I, I just tell you what. Jimmy Taylor. I'm telling Little you Jimmy what. Taylor I'm so proud there. you're my friend, and I, I tell people all the time, yeah, my friend, my friend slayed the dragon, buddy. That's exactly <laughs> that right. Was, and what was big about that game? That was Gene Stallings' first home game. It was. And Stump took Take that. Down. Take that, Stallings. So, they so, won national championship, what, 92? And we should have beat them in 92. 92. So Stump makes this kick to win the game. And look where he is today. It hasn't done him a darn bit of good. <laughs> yeah, the He's kick had shape. nothing to do with it <laughs> at all. All right, Stump. We love you, buddy, and uh, always glad to have you on the show. Hey, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all have a great one. All Mother right. Mr. to the top. There we go. The great and the one and only Jim Stump Taylor. Oh, that's fun. All right, Kelly's got the show tomorrow. Got good. Who you got real quick, Sander? Hunter Atkins from the golf team is going to be on tomorrow. We're also going to reflect, uh, sadly, upon the passing of Sid Weatherford and the many contributions he made to the athletic department. And buying or selling, we'll take a look at every Conference USA football team tomorrow. Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.